Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I am the official Thanos of this podcast. And by that I mean I use the improv to destroy the improv. I mean, I'm Alex. And uh, having successfully uncrossed my arms to watch this movie with open the open and honest heart of a child's eyes, I'm Britain. <laughs> you need a, a crowbar for that? that... <laughs> a little bit. No, 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 it's fine. I'm not... I, I, I remember while I was watching it, you know, and obviously we're going to talk about the movie, but thinking, like, I'm not... I, I genuinely don't have the, like... Oh, Disney's ruining the thing that I like. Like, I have no hatred against Disney. Disney didn't do anything to hurt me. It's fine. Well. It's a well, it did. It's a biz. It's a big. I have problems <laughs> with Disney for business reasons, but for creative reasons, like they're gonna make stuff that I'm gonna like it, and they're gonna make stuff I'm not gonna like. And who cares? Sure. <laughs> like, but anyway, there are Frank Oz interviews we can all watch and talk about next week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> where he where he gives his take. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, what movie is that that we're ta- that we're talking? We about? are talking about the Muppets uh, with the 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 reboot. I feel like I have to add something onto that because, like, the Jason Siegel one, yeah, the yeah. Amy Adams one, yeah, the Rashida uh, Jones cut, the Rashida Jones cut. Um, so the Muppets, directed by James Bobbin from 2011. Has a 95% critic score wow. and an 80% audience score. Wow. Um, let me check on the scores. I'm messing up everything right now, uh, trying to grab the score sheet. Um, I think those highest critic score, at least. Wow. And then it's in the upper tier for huh. audience scores. Huh. Fascinating. Now, is this uh, Jean Favreau's sort of. Frere in arms, James Boban. Oui, James Boban. I make the movie film. I really did not know where you were going with that, but you landed it, so I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. Does anybody have strong... Oh, Alex, you seem concerned. So, so, so James Bobbin or Boban, I don't know how you say I think it. Is. I think it is Bobbin. He, he directed... He directed both both of the Disney Muppet movies. Then he did Alice Through the Looking Glass, and then the Dora the Explorer live action movie. Yep. He uh, sure. He I think I think his big oh he worked on a bunch of Ali G stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I think he kind of got. I think his like big start was Flight of the Concords. Um, mm-hmm. He worked worked on that, which is evidenced by Brett McKenzie, one of the I guess one of the Concords. I've never watched it. Is uh, wrote the music for for the movie, wrote the songs, and Jermaine Clement is in the next movie. Yeah, Ooh. who I I feel like I obviously I realized that watching this movie, I was like, oh, this is what Alex feels like when they make a Spider Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is that feeling, <laughs> which doesn't mean I immediately hated it. It just means like, oh, this is like. The stakes and the pickiness and the noting the and that line doesn't seem right, but that that clock looks that'll work for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So all of this to say, I feel like I shouldn't go first. 
don't know, Tyler, you want to take it or do you want me to? Go for it. Take us away. Okay. Um, I think the best thing overall for me is just going to be the overall production value. Um, mm. I think this is the best that the Muppets have ever looked, and that's probably just because it's a 2011 movie. Um, but all the puppetry is is amazing. Um, it's just like a really colorful, goofy movie, and I I, I don't know. I, I just loved the way it looked, and I kind of wish. I wish more movies just looked like this in general. Sure. Maybe. I mean, of course, you know, cinematography and whatnot, like, it's it's shot in a very straightforward manner, typical of, like, a family comedy-type film. But, I mean, just in terms of, like, the color palette. Like, yeah. I like that it embraces being being very colorful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, like a Muppet movie should. Um... This is your granddad's Muppets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, in terms of a worse thing, I feel like the story was, it was okay. Yeah. Um, pretty by the numbers. Um, I don't know when they got to the end and they're, they're starting to, uh, they've got their big telethon to try and raise $10 million so they can buy back the Muppet studio, uh, Instead of letting Chris Cooper get it, and we can address the Chris Cooper of it all because that's just bizarre. Um, uh, but but all that stuff just seemed very by the numbers. I'm like, okay, I know how this is exactly going to go, which is it, it's fine. Yeah. I just it also doesn't feel... exactly go the way we think it's going to go. Yeah, I guess that's true to a certain degree. Um, but I feel like the movie really could have just like gone crazy at that point. Sure kind of like towards the end of the original Muppet movie yeah. where mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, we're going to have Animal just like <laughs> grow <laughs> to the size of like yeah. Godzilla. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wish the movie had gone a little crazier. It was, it, it seemed to be playing it fairly safe um, to compare it to like other Disney movies. It, it almost reminded me of a Force Awakens, if you will, mm. in terms of we're going to play it safe and remind mo- I know, Britain, you've got your nitpicks, just like no, no, no. serious, hardcore Star Wars fans have their nitpicks. Absolutely, yeah. Like me. <laughs> but it's like, we're going to remind people why they're supposed to like the Muppets. And that that seems to be kind of the mission statement of the movie. And, you know, there was some stuff that, that felt kind of overly schmaltzy. Um, I, di- I did like that the movie was attempting to be a bit more sentimental than at least the last couple. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but at some points, it felt like it was reaching a little too far, and it's like, okay, I wish you, I wish this aired more on the goofier side, which I feel like these movies oftentimes have have difficulty striking that perfect balance and, yep. and really knowing what what they need to do. Um, I would say probably just the original Muppet movie and maybe Christmas Carol are the ones that like fully know yeah. what what they're doing and accomplish that in terms of sentimental. Uh, Emotion versus just being in flat-out goofy comedy. Um, overall, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think the first half is probably stronger than the second half. Because uh, I, I texted both of you about ha- a half an hour in, and I was like, this is this is great. Like, this is delightful. Um, and then it kind of, not necessarily wore on, but I, I, I don't know. It, we can get it, into it, it but I, I, I thought it was solid. It winds down to something. Yeah. More... Less exciting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Um, I generally, I, I think I feel pretty similarly. Um, I think my best thing is the fact that the movie clearly has a lot of respect for... I, I mean, I haven't w- really watched the Muppet, the original Muppet show, although apparently it's coming to Disney+, Plus, yeah, so that's yeah, exciting. I will have to watch some of that. Um, for sure. But the it it feels like the movie has a lot of respect both for that show and for the Muppet movie, um, mm-hmm. which I would not have seen at the time when I originally watched this film in theaters. Um, so there, there was definitely more I got to that effect where I was like, okay, I, I see, you know, like why they're making certain choices and why they're going to certain places. And I think it works. I, I think for the most part, they, they stay true to the characters. Um, this feels like the first movie since maybe since the first one where it's like, these are the characters doing more Muppet things. Like these feel like the same characters Um, because they're not playing anybody else. And there's not like any sort of reworking of the, uh, the canon, I guess, uh, like Muppet stick Manhattan kind of changes that a little, um, and seems to be sort of maybe doing a, uh, play. Although this movie also, also references that. And we'll have to talk about it because I was confused. Um, long story short, I really like the fact that this, this is the, uh, I mean, Force Awakens is a good, uh, description because it's like, it takes the same tone as the original movie. And it's like, this is as if we're rediscovering this 30 years later or whatever. Yeah. 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 30. Um, and so I enjoyed that. I, I think that they do a really good job kind of playing off of that. Uh, and they don't take too many obvious directions uh in terms of maybe not obvious i don't i feel like there is a lot of opportunity especially for kermit in this movie where they could have taken him to a direction where it's like oh he's more of just like a fun uh leader character and and make him very one note uh but they still have him have a lot of the same doubts and and flaws that he does in the original films and so i i appreciated that um, and I also think the continuing along those lines, the theme of the movie, at least in that first half, continues to follow up on a lot of the stuff I was picking up on in that in all of those other movies we talked about, aside from maybe the last couple. Uh, in that it is about like oh the Muppets, you know they've they've kind of fallen by the wayside, they've they've split up, they're apart, um, and they've they kind of sold out a little bit, like you know they're they're not they're no longer chasing their dreams, and it's a little bit sad, and they're having to reunite, and they're having to realize like rediscover that dream. Um, this movie is a little more heavy handed in, in its approach to that. With again the the villain is just like. I have taken the Muppets and I'm going to drill for o- drill for oil, uh, which is so ridiculous it almost works. Um, and uh, them having to raise $10 million, whatever, like, that's all very, like, we need a plot about the Muppets trying to raise money to save their old stuff. Um, and, and doesn't necessarily weave it in as subtly, I guess, as... Uh, some of the other movies I've dealt with the, the idea of like the stardom versus riches and, and how that mm-hmm. um, conflicts. But overall, I think the movie tries to stick to that same kind of path laid out for what the Muppets are about and, and what they generally grapple with. Um, so yeah, I like that. I think... I feel like my worst thing in particular is... I don't know. I... I 
I almost want to say the ending, even though I don't dislike the ending that much. Uh, mm. It does feel like it kind of, they just get to the end and they're like, yep, that's the movie. Didn't <laughs> we have a good time? Um, I, because there's the whole thing where basically they're trying to raise all the money and then they have the the billboard or the scoreboard that has how much they're raising and it looks like they're just a dollar short and then Fosse like hits his head on it and it's like, oh, they're actually a, a short of $10,000, not, yeah. not $10 million, which is funny, but they don't, it's a weird beat <laughs> the way yeah. they handle that. Like they don't <laughs> stop to appreciate like exactly what happened. Fosse's just like, oh, wow, we were way off. And then they kind of continue going with the the villain stuff. Um, the, they do a lot of like back and forth with uh, Jason Siegel and Amy Adams characters. They're they're bouncing around between small town whatever and uh, the the theater, the Muppet Theater. That's kind of weird. They they hand wave it. They say like, oh, you know, we're driving my map, uh, which. Yeah, I think it works. I think it's. I really like that joke the first time they do it. I think sure. that's pretty great. Um, but it's just in the end, it feels like they really are just like, ah, eh, we did enough. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're we're bringing this home. <laughs> like you, you guys are fine. Um, and it's not bad. It's it, it, Kermit just kind of is like, yep. Yeah, you know what? This is we did okay, guys. And it's it's a sweet speech that he gives, but it is yeah. a little bit schmaltzy. Um, and so I feel like. We get to the end, and there's not, there's really not, I guess, a, a grand finale is maybe what I was looking for. Right. Like, I, I wanted something a little bit more spectacular to be like, the Muppets are back, baby. Uh, and uh, they do have Rainbow Connection, and it's great. Um, and Animal finally plays the drums again. Uh, and that's, that's a fun piece. Uh, but then they kind of keep going. Like, I wish that was just like how the telethon ended. Mm. Um, cause they also work in Walter whistling as the last act of the telethon, which is fun. But again, I, I kind of feel like you could, you don't have to have that be the last thing you can put that earlier. I don't know. I don't know if the pacing and the, the beats work quite well enough to make it like have a real emotional impact. I think it's fun. Uh, but I feel like the rest of the movie was setting it up for something that could have been a little bit more powerful. Sure. Um, instead of just kind of like, yeah, we're waving away the plot. It all works out. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into the the film, considering it is also still using the the rich and famous contracts drawn up for the Muppets by Orson Welles. But there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's just I I think they could have landed the or stuck the landing a little bit harder, better. Sure. Yeah, I um, it, it's an interesting thing because it is an '80s script. Like, mm-hmm. it's very clear that Jason Siegel is of the generation that loves the 80s and wants to just talk about the 80s all the time. Sure. And so that's what the movie... Like, there's literally 80s robot. It's it's an 80s... Classic 80s storyline of someone wants to buy our land. we got to put on a show to get it back. Which is almost a joke. Mm-hmm. But it is a little odd. My... <clears throat> I, I'm going to say I have two best things. One broad and one specific. The broad thing is I love that the, the movie is clearly made by people who love the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, and I really, really appreciate, and this is kind of what I was talking about, like a lot of people want to just assume that Disney's going to ruin everything. Sure. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's true here. I, I, I think that, you know, this is, obviously it's a commercial thing to bring the Muppets back, but 
they got people who genuinely love the Muppets and who care about them and want to when this movie celebrates the Muppets, it's not just through like niche Easter eggs and references because they know how to trigger your memories. It's because you feel like Siegel and I, I remember the co-writer's name and Bobbin like care about this and they want you like, like you feel that those speeches about what the Muppets mean are not just being performed. You feel like mm-hmm. they were written with sincerity and that's a really beautiful thing uh, uh, to see. And, my other best thing is the Menomina, uh at the end of the credits. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree, like, it would have been nice to have a big, like, spectacular ending to the movie. But as a little mid, like, during the credits thing, to have all our cameo celebrities yeah. come on and sing Menomina, are you kidding me? Amy Adams says <laughs> Menomina and Emily Blunt and, like, Krasinski. It's so much fun. Like, I, I watched it, like, four times. I thought, I think that's so great. Mm-hmm. Um my worst thing about this movie, and I probably should have catched this earlier, this movie is essentially a fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and fan fiction is not a bad thing. Fan fiction is not an evil thing. <laughs> um, and, and I think that this does the best thing that fan fiction does, which is be a fan and pays tribute to and celebrates and loves this movie or the, these, these characters. My worst thing is named Walter. <laughs> um, <laughs> because... <laughs> And I don't really hate Walter as a character. It's more that I feel like by the end of the movie, Walter is oddly focused on. And I, the movie isn't literally, it's not literally like, wow, Walter, you're our hero. It's not like Kermit is like, you're in charge of the Muppets now, Walter. But it, there are times in this movie where it felt like, and I don't know a, an example better than Muppets use for myself, so... I will use examples for both of you. It would be like if there was a Batman movie and he had a new hero whose name wasn't Robin but was named Alex. And at the end of the movie, Batman went, huh, I'm glad we beat the Joker. I couldn't have done it without you, Alex. Say, why don't we give the Alex signal a try? <laughs> or like so, if it, it, are, you, are you trying to tell me that Walter is a Mary Sue? I mean, that is kind of exactly what you're describing, and I don't disagree necessarily and i and i'm and i'm using these examples because these are exaggerated forms that i don't think the movie fully falls into but i think it kind of drifts close to like my other example was if at the end of endgame after uh uh iron man was like laying there dying and he died they all turned around and went thanks tyler (laughs) hey tyler why don't you assemble and then they hand you mjolnir because you're the one who's really deserving of it (laughs) i mean that is what should have happened but it should should um... have because also you're standing there just in your like t-shirt and jeans just like oh thanks (laughs) oh cool but uh but and i say that because obviously I, i don't know we write stories we put ourselves in them we all want our heroes to love us like i get it but I feel like by the end, Walter being the act that like finishes the telethon and kind of saves them for a minute is weird. And also his act yeah. is I thought it was stupid. Like he whistled. <laughs> no, I, I agree wow. I agree with you. I thought wow. that was just like whistling that was bizarre. Hate, maybe you guys should learn how to whistle. I will and say then... I can't whistle. <laughs> So <laughs> then maybe you'll appreciate the skill involved. Jeez. This might, this might be whistling envy. No, but I, I guess maybe anticlimactic is a better word. It's no, like, I Walter, agree. your I talent. And, and I feel like if they had done that earlier in the telethon, like you said, Rebo Connection is the finale. That would be 
I'd be great with that. And he get, but like Walter gets the freeze frame at the end, and it just, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a weird vibe where I was like, I don't mind. I, I, I the, the, the optimistic twist or, or a read on this, I think, is Walter is the audience surrogate. Walter is every person in the in the theater who loves the Muppets and has loved the Muppets for their whole life and is coming to see this, sharing it with their family or their kids. And at the end, it's like our fans are the reasons that we're still going. Sure. Our fans saved us. Our fans are the reason that this is happening. It's not Walter specifically. It's what Walter represents. But I think that the movie maybe doesn't do a good job clarifying that. And I yeah. think it's more that the movie is like, yeah, and there's Walter. And it feels a little bit like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I no, feel I, like Walter is too much is too focused on. Whereas I, I really appreciate that, even though there is some weird jumping around, that Jason Siegel isn't the star of the movie. Yeah, um, that he's clearly marketed and like he's on the poster because it's like, hey guys, look, it's him and Amy Adams. Like they're in the movie, but they are very much supporting characters in this story, which I like. But at times it felt like Kermit was a supporting character to Walter, sure. and that felt weird also gonzo doesn't really do anything um or doesn't do a lot yeah i um no i i i would agree and i don't really want to invoke mary sue as a of course because like that's that's become such a toxic like yes we've talked about it before like it's just taken on you you have a female character that is interesting and audiences call it call her a mary sue because they don't like female characters um certain audiences i'll say that charitably um but that is where the original con or the original like phrase was coined from is from fan fiction where uh you have an author that like inserts themselves into an existing fandom and then like kind of makes themselves the hero in the fandom to the characters and so like i don't necessarily know that there's any one person involved in this movie who did that on purpose like it was Absolutely. like oh i i want walter to be like like if i was saving the muppets um right. but it does come across kind of that way where it's like yeah he he is uh it's it's i think maybe the biggest problem that i would see in terms of trying to fix that is that it comes very easily for him like he doesn't have to do a whole lot of like yeah. convincing to get kermit on his side and you know He's just kind of there, and anytime he wants something, the Muppets kind of roll with it. Um, yeah. There's not a whole lot of resistance or like conflict he has to go through, aside from, I don't know what I am here to do. I don't know what my Muppet skill is, my Muppet power. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then he just kind of like figures it out at the end. Kind of saves the day, doesn't actually save the day, but it still plays out emotionally like he saved the day. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, no, I, I 100% yeah. agree. And it's also interesting because the Muppets... I feel like the the Muppet characters, they do have, like, roles and gimmicks and kind of jobs, so to speak. But it's more that they have very distinct personalities. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily think of Fo- – I know Fozzie's the stand-up. But I think of him more as, like, the kind of sweetly naive one. Um, but it's like they have these interests – because, like, Bunsen and Beaker don't perform in the show, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's on the Muppet show they have segments where they have, like, a science lab kind of thing. Um, man, there's a really funny recurring sketch called Veterinarian's Hospital that's great. Anyway, it's a soap <laughs> opera. It's very funny. Uh, it's Rolf and Janet and uh, Janice and Piggy. But um, and I feel like Walter just has a personality. He's very much like a person, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's a fellow. And I and I and I, I 
maybe the, the the choices were like, okay, Walter's kind of our like inroad to get us to the Muppets, but now he's there. What do we do with him? Like, it, it doesn't ruin the movie by any stretch, but I felt like he got a weird amount of focus for a character that I didn't find that compelling. Um, compared to, you know, and that's actually a pretty good joke in this in the next movie that that responds to that, which I think is pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, but you know, and I think it's like I'm I'm happy to see these characters again. I want to see Kermit and Fozzie and yeah. Piggy and Rolf and everything. Um, it's it is worth noting that. The original Muppet performers are all but gone, um, mm-hmm. except for Steve Whitmire uh, as Kermit and, and his group. And Dave Goles, who's been gonzo from the beginning, is still gonzo in this. Sure. And so maybe, I, I don't know, he's an older man. Maybe Dave Goles is like, hey, I'm not, I don't feel up to doing <laughs> a full movie shoot as gonzo. So maybe that's why I like yeah. gonzo's not in it as much and, and, and stuff like that. And that you have the characters who are in it more are Kermit and then Piggy and Fozzie and Rolf and all them who who have been recast. So it's a little bit easier. I don't know. I don't know. I'm talking in circles. No, I I would agree. And I think um, I th- there's a part of me that wonders if it would be better if Walter was an animal. We we've established. Oh, okay. We've established animal frog twins are. Uh, or sorry, bear frog twins are canon. Uh, in yeah. the Mu- I guess that was in a movie produced by the Muppets, but still, <laughs> we've established that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where the joke is coming from at the beginning, where it's like, oh, oh don't sure. we, don't Jason Siegel and I look so alike, or young Jason Siegel, yeah, um, and I look so alike, and you know, th- that's fine. But I feel like it's very hard to make him look distinct. Yeah, because he's not very weird. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's part of the problem. Maybe uh, I feel like a lot of the human characters, uh, in that are Muppets, if there really are any who are really human, look super distinct. Sure. Um, no, but I agree. Like, like the Electric Mayhem, except for Animal, yeah, and like yeah. Scooter. You know, they're all like, "Well, you're not specifically an animal," and like Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker are both very yeah. like interesting looking. Essentially, they're people, but yeah. Uh, and so I feel like you, you could make him an animal and you can make him, you know, look, look weirder. Yeah. And I think you could do that while still having him be endearing and, and like have the audience be able to empathize with him. And then it doesn't feel so much like a, like he's that bland. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yes. I have two thoughts on this. Number oh. one, the movie Ted totally ripped this off, came out a year later it's about a man child who grows up with a, a a stuffed animal. I know that a Muppet isn't exactly a stuffed animal, but you, it, it's it's a it's a live thing that's not that's that's kind of toy sized, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and it's it, the the man child is dating a super attractive woman that is <laughs> way better than him, um, and it's about him learning to move on and mature. Interesting read. Which is funny because so I what that I'm on saying is podcast. Seth MacFarlane not only does he steal jokes from the '80s, he also steals <laughs> plots from movies that are all about the '80s. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> uh, my other thought was I think there is a convincing argument to be made that um, Walter should be cut out of the movie and Jason Siegel 
shouldn't necessarily be the main character, I would argue he should be a, a dual protagonist with Kermit. Sure. Or or even just kind of fold him and Walter into like he does the things that Walter does. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, well, Tyler, it's the it's the Plinket joke. Oh, they should have combined Walter and Jason Siegel <laughs> into a brand new character called Walter. <laughs> yeah. Um and I mean you I feel like if you have it be Jason Siegel, you can almost take that in an elf direction. Sure. Um you can almost have him be the the character who is like so obsessed with the Muppets that he doesn't realize that like he is not really fitting in or like it like yeah. He wants yeah. to be a Muppet very badly, but he is human. Um, I, I think you could do something with that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and However, I, yeah. Go oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 it, it, this is going to be a tangent that will get us into other places. So. Well, I was going to say, it, just, just reiterating, like, I, even though I do respect that he's seemingly there is a sense of like, hey, I'm co-writing this movie and producing this movie and am in this movie. It's not about me. I really respect that. Yeah, yeah, but I do feel like you could you could still hit a lot of these same things, and then the the climax or climax the arc is him realizing like no, I love the Muppets and I'm a fan of the Muppets, but my home is Amy Adams. Like that's sure. that's right. really what I should be investing my my time and energy in. Yeah, it should be a, a, a almost like a Frodo from Lord of the Rings, where he's like, I, I did what I set out to do. I inspired the Muppets to 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 reform, and now I'm going to go live my life. And that's kind of what Siegel did. He doesn't write the second one because I think his his whole thing was like, I did it. I wrote the movie I wanted to write, and um, yeah. I'm good. Cool. Yeah, like J.J. Abrams with Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say, Tyler? Uh, no, I was going to say I. The fact that we do have Jason Siegel and Walter leads to. Probably my favorite individual scene in the movie, which is the uh, Am I a Man or Am I a Muppet oh, sure. uh, track music song. The, oh, the, the Oscar-winning song? It, it's, did it really? Yeah, yeah. It won Best Song. I did not know that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that wins, and then a year later, Skyfall wins. <laughs> what a good time for Oscar-winning yeah. songs. Um no, that that, I, that gets two thumbs away, way up. <laughs> I I think that piece is hilarious and funny, and yeah. also like a great just like scene. Um, I made the joke to you guys that Jason Siegel is screaming on the bus with his, his tuxedo down, like Joker in yeah. the, the 2019 <laughs> film Joker. Um, and and Jim Parsons is the man version of uh, Walter. Yeah, that was. Great. Uh, it's great. He he doesn't actually voice walter though right no no, no. Okay. that's just like a goofy because when that happened i was like, like wait so <laughs> i i don't believe i've been listening to jim parsons voice for the last 90 minutes and yeah and jim parsons like reactions there like his his yeah. facial mannerisms are it's perfect great, yeah <laughs> i'm a muppet of a man like it's it's <laughs> uh it's good stuff <clears throat> oh totally um how did you guys like the cameos overall throughout throughout the movie um, I, I like them for the most part. Uh, I, I, I did have some questions about, like, when it was just, like, here's a famous person that you know. And uh, basically the Emily Blunt one was confusing me because I didn't know. Is she playing her character from Devil Wears Prada? No, I, I think it's just a little, like, pastiche. You know Silly what I mean? Thing. Yeah, it's just like, okay. hey, she, she looks kind of like the character from Devil Wears Prada. Okay, because I was confused because some, some of them are just, like, they're... It's it's uh, 
it's similar to to one of the oceans movies we've actually been talking about potentially doing that in the near future where you in the reality of the movie you have like matt damon or brad pitt they're playing characters sure but then bruce willis as himself shows up in the movie and it's just really really weird Mm. and julia roberts plays a character who is pretending to be Julia Roberts. Like, it gets very meta and very weird. So, like, when we get to this, and I'm like, Jack Black's playing Jack Black, but some other people aren't. Right. I, right. I don't know. That, so that some would say weird. I would say visionary. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think overall, the, the cameos in this do a pretty good job of being, like... Because Jack Black's there, and he he's funny, and they that that's, like, a new... It's a very similar way to probably our, our favorite Muppets cameo up to this point, uh, Steve Martin in sure. the Muppet movie. Um, it's very similar to that where he's like got this antagonistic relationship with them, with them because they have kidnapped him and they're holding him hostage on stage, but he's like enhancing their acts by being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, a fun dynamic. Um, yeah. And I, okay. I like the fact that he's animals sponsor yeah. in anger management. His like yoga sponsor yeah. and then he gets in a fight with Kristen Shaw. Yes. <laughs> um Yeah. And, and that I, like Yeah. Well I was gonna say because like Kristen Shaw is a good example. She shows up and just has a weird fun random scene. Uh Donald yeah. Glover shows up and I think yes. does does he slam Kermit into a wall or is he it slams Walter? Kermit, yeah. 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 Or um, yeah Kermit. I think there's a shot of I cannot remember her name off the top of my head, but the girl who plays Britta on Community oh, is Gillian in... Jacobs? Yes. I believe she is... And maybe I'd have to go back and double-check this, but I believe she is the date in the picture of Jason Segel, Amy Adams, Walter, and some girl oh, wow. who looks like a deer in the headlights. I think that's her. I'd have to double-check that. Um, I'll, I'll look that up while I'm saying this. But I, I believe that that was her, and so I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so I was looking for other community cameos during this, and I think they're they're the only two. But um, it's like the MCU yeah, I over think... here. Doesn't yeah. Joel McHale show up? Not in this one. Mm-hmm. He is might he be in the, the in the next one. I don't remember. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. That's John Krasinski and Neil Patrick Harris and James Carville. No, no, Are you thinking of James there. Carville? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, James Carville <laughs> looks just like Joel McHale. Yes. They're twins. Well, nah, 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 nah. Listen, Dean, I'm a I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah overall i i liked the the cameos quite a bit i i like that they didn't like completely take over the movie like it wasn't like yeah. oh we have the scene where where somebody like you know we have the we have the joel McHale scene which lasts you know 15 minutes and it never ends like it, yeah. if somebody shows up it's either for a quick joke or it's for an actual plot purpose yeah. Um, like like the Emily Blunt sequence or Rashida Jones being there, um, mm-hmm. or Jack Black. Like I, I don't know. I, I if you're gonna overload a movie with cameos, like this kind of does. I, this is like the best way you can do it. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think that, and some of them don't even talk. Like Carville and Judd Hirsch don't say anything, and John Krasinski doesn't say anything. He's just on, they're on the phone lines during the telethon and they're in the Menomina thing. Neil Patrick Harris, you can hear him saying, no, I don't know why I'm not hosting this, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a great joke. And made me happy because like, obviously he and Siegel are both on the, the, the TV show, the mom and how we met each other show, <laughs> how I met your mother. <laughs> but also like 
Harris is like a huge Muppet fan, to my understanding, and obviously so is really? Siegel. So that's, that's fun. Yeah, so that's like awesome. But like, I I really enjoyed the bit where uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Selena Gomez, and Rico Rodriguez <laughs> from Modern Family all come in, and I love that Kermit's like, "Oh my, it's Whoopi Goldberg, and you're Selena Gomez," and he just kind of looks at Rico Rodriguez and he doesn't know who he is. And Rico Rodriguez is like, "Are you one of the Ninja Turtles?" And Kermit goes, <laughs> "Yes, I am. Yes, I absolutely am. Come on, right this way." Like I thought um, that was really funny. So and I, I, I love. I'm circling Emily back. Bond I figured out why I thought Joel McHale was in this movie. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, instead of having like images from the movie, you know, it does the little carousel where you can see all the different pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bunch of like people showing up to the premiere of the movie. And Joel oh, okay. McHale's in a bunch of them for some reason. So. Big Muppet fan. Cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Big Muppet fan. <laughs> well, and I also like that this movie does some... They wouldn't, I wouldn't call them cameos, but there are a lot of background Muppets that haven't been used since The Muppet Show. Um, Link Hogthrob, Dr. Strangepork. Uh, there's like this giant blue Muppet mm-hmm. called Thog. He's from The Muppet Show. Those big purple guys in the tuxedos, they have a great dance number with Sandy Duncan in a I liked, Muppet I like the 80s robot bringing them new Coke. 80s robot's pretty fun. <laughs> um, but it also brings back, like, uh, uh, Sweetums. And I love when they're get, doing the, the montage of getting everybody. Sweetums chases them out of a used car dealership, just like in the Muppet yep. movie. Like, that's really fun. I thought it was really funny when Rolf was like, why, did, why wasn't I in that montage? I thought my story was pretty interesting. Hey, Rolf, want to get back together? Okay. And they got back and Rolf goes, <laughs> classic. I think, <laughs> the Rizzo, I think the Rizzo sequence where they're getting him back to joining them, aside from maybe the, the big rainbow connection uh, sure. pre-finale, um, mm. I, I think that might be my favorite sequence. Which one just was that him again? on the building, and he and he just rips off his clothes, and he's got his little flight sli- suit. Like oh, all that was just Gonzo. Yes, yes, I apologize. <laughs> um, that that that's what I wanted more of. I wanted it to get crazier, <laughs> and maybe I just wanted Gonzo sure. screaming for sure. an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I, I still get a little emotional during my favorite song in the movie, "Pictures in My Head," when Kermit is singing about. Remembering everybody, and there's all the paintings in the hallway of Fozzie and Gonzo and Dr. Teeth and the Mushroom Mayhem and Swedish Chef. Yeah. It's, I remember listening to that song a lot and being like, the only one, the only voice in this that is the same voice as they have always been is Gonzo. And then hearing, and Gonzo's line in the song is, Gonzo the Great will ride this baby again. And hearing that and knowing that that's Dave Goals, who has performed Gonzo for years, like, is very touching to me. And even though Gonzo, interestingly, when all, and y'all will see when the Muppet Show comes on, Gonzo initially was very different. Like he was, he looked really different. He sounded different. Uh, it, it took a little while for him to become the Gonzo that we all know and love. But um, right. But he was always Dave Goals, and he's amazing. Also, Dave Grohl is in this as Animal from the Muppets, which I thought was a funny little visual gag. <laughs> Pretty good. I uh, <clears throat> I have found a photo. I don't think it is Gillian Jacobs. Mm. <clears throat> but also, there are like a hundred uncredited people on this. And it's going to bother me because I don't think I will ever figure out who this random girl is that they pulled in for, <laughs> to shoot her for this. 
this photo looking concerned while Walter holds her arm. Um, Jack Black is not credited in this film. <laughs> He's uncredited. Which is That's awesome. Interesting. They they flat uh, out say his name and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they actually kidnapped you. Kidnapped him. Jack Black. <laughs> What's more illegal, mildly inconveniencing Jack Black, or not letting the Muppets do their show? <laughs> Kidnapping Jack Black. That might be one of my favorite I, um, jokes in the film. It's, very I, good. I, it's a very good joke. I mentioned the Muppets, and I I, I want to talk about them because, one, I, whatever, they were fine. Um, but I realized they're kind of problematic because they're, they're the evil Muppets. But a couple of them are definitely coded as, like, black stereotypes. Um Evil Fozzie has, like, a bunch of, like, chains and, like, big necklaces and, like, a white tank top. And the voice he says in the credits is clearly modeled after a stereotypical gang character. And he says, what the waka? Janice has has hair of a certain type. And it's, like, it all feels kind of unintentionally... It just feels very tasteless that it's like, oh, we'll make the – they're the sure. bad Muppets. So they're like a street gang, and a street gang essentially in, it apparently means black people, which it shouldn't. And like all of that was a little iffy. And I, I didn't mention this in the last episode, but the character Clifford um, showed up. Uh, Clifford is a character that isn't performed much anymore because he was essentially a racial stereotype. Uh, he had dreadlocks and a long, very – exaggerated lips and was like a jazz or a funk musician and was always talking about the ladies and he was performed by a black uh, Muppeteer he was performed by Kevin Clash but I think that was a character that again not created with any kind of hate in anyone's heart but it was kind of realized like oh we oh we did that let's not use Clifford anymore (laughs) hmm um so I was I was I noticed that this time around with the Muppets I was like ugh uh, okay, that's a little, that's a little uncomfortable. Well, it it was interesting because I I did notice that too. Um, I did think though, what the waka? I, I thought that was actually a pretty funny line. Um, but uh, I I was wondering with the uh, the Jason Siegel Walter song about like, no, I need to go be a Muppet. I need to go be a man. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to read too much into that. <laughs> In terms of, like, no, you must go with the people who look exactly like you. Um, and that's an interesting take, though. I, f- I feel like that's not what's intended, but I think it could easily be read that way. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you gotta you make a point. Like, I'm wondering mm. if it almost was just, like, if they transcended it, where it's like, no, Walter, you can go be with whoever you want to be with, as long as, as sure. you know... As long as you like what you're doing. I, I don't know. I, right, I feel right. like there's potentially a more nuanced thing they could have done there. Um, yeah, that's or you just read, cut yeah. out Walter and make it not complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and we're talking about Walter and Isn't Siegel and cutting him out. I think we could all probably agree that more Amy Adams screen time would not be a bad thing in this movie. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's delightful. That that scene uh, where she's in the diner by herself. And oh, she has the me little, party song. Yeah, and she has a little little uh, musical number. That was yeah, that was great. Yeah, um, she... I 
Uh, Britain, I did want to ask because one of our big complaints with Muppets from Space was that they ditched the the musical aspect of the, right. all the Muppet movies entirely, yeah. and they just went with here's a bunch of songs. Right. <laughs> uh, we're paying Sony Records for for <laughs> our, our backlog of music. Um, I did want to ask because this one. It, it it does a, more of a healthy blend of of songs you know and then actual new songs for for a Muppet musical. How, yeah. how did you feel about that? Um, I, I felt great about it. I I do still consider this a musical movie. I think it does have a few soundtrack moments to kind of thread out the scenes. I don't know if they're needed, but they're it doesn't bother me that they're there. And I think, well, no, actually, I, yeah, they do actually perform some of those. Yeah, I forgot because. They kind of sing along with "We Built This City," but then they do the barbershop mm-hmm. quartet of uh, uh, "Teenage." What's that song called? It smells like Teen Spirit. Um, yeah. That actually didn't bother me because that was those kind of numbers were were largely in the telethon. That that's so much of what the Muppet Show was. The Muppet Show has tons of sketches where the characters and sometimes the the special guest would perform familiar tunes. Sometimes they were top 40, sometimes they were standards, you know. Um, and so that, that to me felt, since it was within the world they were covering that song, it, it, it worked for me really well because that was what The Muppet Show did a lot. Um, and, I, and I think that the musical score itself is pretty strong. You know, I, I don't think it's on the same level as Muppet Movie or Muppet Christmas Carol. That's an unfair bar. But I think right. there's some, like I said, I like Man Up a lot. I think Pictures in My Head is really good. Life's a Happy Song is a really fun opener. Um, I think all the musical numbers that are original movies for the Muppets, I think they all hold together uh, pretty nicely. And I like that we had, like, full dance numbers. Like, Life's a Happy Song is a full production number. Um, one, I like that they cleverly use the fact that Jason Siegel can't dance as a He'll do kind of the step, and then everyone behind him will do the step. Mm. I thought that was really cool um, and clever. Also, Mickey Rooney is in that. <laughs> yeah. And Feist. Um, also, I don't know if you guys caught this. We have two of the Night at the Museum old guards yes, in this we movie. Do. Yeah, because the guy, Bill Cobb, who's not Dick Van Dyke, he was like, w- w- he. there's a really sweet cutaway during the telethon that cuts to a family. And he's mm-hmm. there with, I guess, his daughter and her children. I don't know if it's his blood daughter, but like the character. And they're wa- all watching Muppets and laughing together. And that's a very moving because it's like this intergenerational entertainment that everybody can enjoy the Muppets. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's, that's him. Where's Dick Van Dyke? And then I thought about what if Dick Van Dyke performed with the Muppets and my head exploded. True. Because I don't know that he has. <laughs> um. While you while you guys have been talking, I've been going down just a complete rabbit hole. I have discovered the uh, the girl cast as Walter's high school girlfriend is named Robin A. Schneider, mm. uh, and the only she's in a YouTube video called Eight Bit Ho, which I'm told is some sort of Mario slash Zelda parody. Um. <laughs> And then uh, also, she, according to IMDb, she is in a series called Millennial Love. However, I cannot find this series, and I it's 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 hurting my head. Like I cannot. There is one. There is a man named Jeff. <laughs> I don't even need to say his name. There is an, a man named Jeff Bomberger, 
uh, also cast in this. There's a director named M- Megan McKenzie, and that's it. That's the, the. There's nothing. I can't find anything else about this show on the internet. It's just an IMDb listing. I'm not convinced it exists. I don't know if it's on. If it's like an internet thing. I don't know if it, what it would have aired on. If maybe, it's like maybe never it's aired. Like, maybe they made it, it up just to put it on IMDb for tax purposes, but they never actually. I'm kind of wondering if it's a money laundering scheme. Um, <laughs> it says there are four episodes. I don't. I I need answers. I would. I What's would like the title them. of it again? Millennial love. Well, that is a money laundering scheme. Let me tell you I what. Oh man. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, so so Robin Schneider, if you're out there, we <laughs> have, an, have open, you on the we show. Have an open mic for you. Yeah. Get in here. You can talk about the Muppets. You can talk about the show that uh, apparently exists. Because I need tell to know. Your, tell your I need story. To know more. Yeah. Well, this is. We will give you our platform. We're gonna um, like kind of transition into more of a uh, podcast, uh, like interview series, and she'll mm-hmm, be our first mm-hmm. big guest. Uh, I really love that the two forces we have reached out to to say, "Hey, please be on our podcast," are <laughs> Benioff and Weiss <laughs> and Robin A. Schneider. Yes. Hey, we can, can we get call all that of episode? you on a podcast? Oh my god! I, can we I call know... that episode? D- can we call that okay, episode the ahead. Schneider Cut? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're gonna. Th- th- that will be the signal that D and D will want to reach out to us, and they're like, "We love the Muppets. Anyone who's worked with the Muppets, we'd love to talk to them." There we go. They're, they're, They've also been trying there, to like, figure out what this TV show on IMDb is. They're they're looking. Then, <laughs> no, exactly. That's Schneider's like, just like I, I haven't like... seen. Schneider's just like I haven't seen Game of Thrones. I don't know what to talk to them about. <laughs> But but they're they're looking at all these papers that say like three body problem and Star Wars and just a whole like there's a sign that just says what if the Confederacy with a big X through it and like they're just like what do, I don't know and then DB goes David 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 and he like rips his his, his AirPods out and he's like they found her someone found her these the they found her this, these these guys and somewhere here come the sequels they found her he's like Whoa, what are you talking about man they found robin schneider and then they're on our podcast and we're famous and now we're going to talk to you about hello fresh now listen uh david db dan if i can call you dan i i know you might think the the offer is over cuz we're we're not talking about game of thrones anymore it's still out yeah anytime sure. Don't care what franchise. Yeah. You come on here. We'll talk about that Snyder Cut. We'll talk about the Schneider Cut. We'll do anything. Get on here. We'll talk about it. We'll be the most, like, softball interview because we oh, don't man. know how to interview uh, celebrities anyway. So, yeah. you know. We'll, we'll play a, a 24-hour game of D&D even though, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a podcast. D&D so, uh... with D&D. <laughs> 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 we... <laughs> It's just, it's such a good opportunity. I'm telling yeah. you guys, you, you guys, David and Dan, I mean, I know you're listening. Get on yeah. here. We're going to start, we're going to start the PR campaign. We're going to, we're going to refresh that image. We're going to make it work. You just got to reach out. Yeah. I said it before, I'll say it again. I promise to not talk about Troy at all or to only talk about Troy, <laughs> whichever totally you would prefer. 
but I totally promised to talk about whichever rewrite of X-Men Origins Wolverine one of them did. <laughs> of course, the whole time they're going to be like, we really want to talk about the Electric Mayhem <laughs> and why Lips suddenly joined. <laughs> I really need to get to the bottom of that. I'm like, well, we'll get there. Listen. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> we were talking about a movie. Yes, we were. Um, this actually uh, doesn't kind of blend in. Well, something I was, I was talking about how they, they brought in Muppets that we hadn't seen really utilized, like Wayne and Wanda. There's a part where the lights go out, and when they come back up, two Muppets are making out. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Wayne and Wanda. They were a staple pair of Muppets, and when the Muppet Show first started, they were these like very classy dancers and such. Um, and there's also a character in this movie called Uncle Deadly, who's one of Chris Cooper's mm-hmm. henchmen, along with Bobo the Bear, not given enough to do, but I love him. And Uncle Deadly was a character who really is never used in the Muppet movies, but he was on the show a decent amount. They, he and Vincent Price like sang a duet on one episode. Like He, he was always used as this like, creepy sort of phantom of the Muppet theater. And so I thought it was cool they brought him back. And I think he is also, if not directly playing blind pew in muppet treasure island i think he they share a lot of design similarities mm. which i didn't realize until this time around watching muppet treasure island uh but i thought that was really cool that we bring um uncle deadly back with chris cooper which brings me to what did we think of chris cooper because i i like him a lot in this movie chris cooper is a, a, a wonderful actor who we've all who everyone within the sound of my voice you have seen chris cooper in at least 10 movies he's all over the place. <coughs> Marv, he's one of those actors who just like melts into the background. He's just so gifted, Academy Award winner. But he's also, he often plays sort of stern, mm-hmm. taciturn figures, uh, you know. Uh, he, he, he is uh, in Little Women, though, as a very sweet old man. Uh, he's Laurie's, mm-hmm. he's Timothy Chalamet's dad. Um, he's marvelous in that movie. Like, I really love him in that. And in this, he's doing something uh, very different, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. I thought he was totally committing and seemed to be having a lot of fun rapping and everything. Um, yeah. But that was me. What did y'all think? I I found it very, very surreal because I almost felt like this was his audition tape for Norman Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Um, I'm just imagining his face painted green, and I'm like... I'm I'm not sure I'm here for this, guys. <laughs> no, he's he's fine. He's, yeah. he's he's good in the movie. I I do like how, for once, we don't have a a an actor who's constantly like screaming and and having the maniacal laugh. Like I like the gag where he just keeps saying maniacal laugh, and yeah. then his underlings are the ones who start laughing. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, good. I think he's he's quite fun, and I really like the fact that his character's name is Tex Richmond. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's I, my I, that's my contribution. No, I, I also like that they didn't get someone too obvious for it. Um, yeah, like Chris Cooper does has like played bad guys and stuff before, but and I I don't know who the the obvious person would be for this, but like. I guess you wouldn't think that Chris Cooper would be playing a kind of goofy villain in a Muppet movie. And I like that. Like, it means I got to see him do something different. And I think that cameos, I don't know, maybe it's just the type of media that I consume, but I feel like 
with like comedy TV shows, you see a lot of the same actors cycle through in supporting roles and actors who are really good at what they do. But it's like, I don't know, get Wendy Malick, get Jason Matsukas, just kind of like rotate these people through. And they're all great, but that's kind of what their careers are. And I like that this movie had some cameos you maybe wouldn't have thought would be in the movie. Like Alan Arkin as a tour guide. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Um, And uh, (laughs) James Carville. But like... I, I, I don't know. I, I found Chris Cooper a lot of fun. I wish Rashida Jones had gotten a little more to do. I think she's great, sure. just in, on principle. I like Rashida Jones a lot. Um, and it would have been cool if she'd had some more some more stuff to do. I think she does a good job, but, yeah, you know. I I do quite like the gag where she has a poster that they, they drew up of all the things that are hot right now. And the Muppets oh, yeah. are, like, four rings out. Um, and I really I wish... wish I could see a little bit more of what yes. was in the middle ring because I feel like it would probably be very dated now, but that's okay. And, and that's probably like, why you can't really see it clearly. Or it's very, <laughs> or either that, or it's very much like jokes for the crew stuff that like yeah. is so inside. Like the thing that's really popular right now is like kids who dress up as dinosaurs, <laughs> you know, yeah. something like that, and punch teacher, which is a pretty funny gag. True. Um, and it was it was funny seeing a Donald Glover cameo before Donald Glover was one of the like most ubiquitous like stars in entertainment. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, that's the guy from Community and Thirty Rock. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was I thought that was kind of funny that harkening back. Yeah, you know, fun movie. <laughs> Do we have any other strong? Oh, um, I want to talk about Kermit and Miss Piggy. Yes. Because... Yes. They have a photo that was at some point torn, apparently, and they each kept their own half of it, or maybe the other half, like the other per- the half of the other person. I don't know exactly. Um, and in or the said photo seems to be of the end of Muppets Take Manhattan, um, right? Because it shows them in wedding attire, right? And Piggy's and so, got her hair from that point. Yeah. Yes, and so that seems to be like the conflict between it seemed they were married, but also Muppets Take Manhattan was not really like that's set in a, a universe where all the Muppets sure, knew sure, each sure. other in high school, as opposed to like when they come together to, uh, like, th- make their studio or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like when when the road trip happens originally. Um, and so that that hurt my head a little. I was a little confused. I wasn't sure mm. what the implication there was. <clears throat> my my theory for that is that it's supposed to be like they went oh and Kermit will have this torn photo of him and Piggy and they went oh let's get a photo from up at Take Manhattan that's a little Easter egg and they just didn't think about the implications of that so but then is the implication that they got a divorce because that seems yeah seems that is rough. pretty dark um, <laughs> or they're separated maybe <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know and i i don't know i i think it was something that they just kind of put in like oh yeah we'll, we'll reference that but not expecting <laughs> 10 years <laughs> later for a, a a podcast to to overthink it but um but yeah it, it did also remind me that um some of the muppets look different and are designed a little differently gonzo uh piggy fozzy and animal especially look a little different not drastically but I mean, and that that's going to happen when you're building physical characters. Like, there's going to be little changes that happen. It's fine. But, uh, and I also like, actually, I like that Piggy's hair changes with the current style through time. I think that's a good, 
a good thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, my guess is that they just didn't. They're just like, ah, there's no implications here. They're just, it's Kermit and Piggy. And then <laughs> later on, it's like, oh, that, I guess that does suggest things, but. Gotta have, gotta, gotta have it run a tight ship to get past the sequel, boys. Yeah. You know? I, I will say, Kramer versus Kermit, such a moving movie, really powerful story of divorce, where Meryl <laughs> Streep plays Miss Piggy. I'm okay with this. Do we have anything else to say about the film, Alex? No, not really. It was a good time. Okay. All right, man. That's cool. <laughs> uh, let's do grades. Alex, what did I give Muppets from Space? Uh, C plus. Okay. Do you guys know what you're giving it? I think. <laughs> go you. You go. I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Um. The first half, I was just like, this might be an A or an A+. Plus. Sure. And then I feel like the, the story just kind of went into, into mediocre territory. Um, and then, yeah, Walter's not a super compelling protagonist. Um, like, like you said, I respect the choice that, that Jason Siegel was like, this isn't going to be a vanity project. I'm not yeah. just going to have myself be center screen and be like, no, it's a Muppet movie, but it's my Muppet movie. I am, you know, yeah. I, I'm the guy. Um but maybe it would have benefited from that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. It was a very breezy, fun ride. And, you know, like I said, has a tough time balancing between the sentimental and the, the goofier stuff. I kind of wish that the, the ending had gone more goofy and less schmaltzy. Sure. But uh, eh, pretty fun. When did I give the other ones? <laughs> Just all of them. What do I give every other movie we've ever reviewed? Yeah. Well, podcast? all right. Let's, let's s- everybody sit back, get a get a cup I of think coffee. Specifically, what I'm really gonna the, the data points I'm really gonna need are Alien Resurrection, <laughs> um, Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom. It's a good one. Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. Maybe like uh, Santa Buddies. Uh, the fourth Fast and Furious, the fourth Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, that should do it. All right, uh, we're we're doing Tyler's scores for the Muppet movies. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Muppet movie A, Great Muppet Caper B, Muppets Take Manhattan A minus, Muppet Christmas Carol A plus, uh, Muppet Treasure Island B, Muppets from Space C. And you also gave a C- to Wonder Woman 1984, which is right in the middle of that. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm going to do B plus as well. Uh, I think trying to kind of stabilize it there, I think that, that feels right for how I enjoyed these. Yeah, I will also uh, say B plus. I think that if I didn't have the, the really deep you know attachment to the characters, I'd probably like it more. But I do like it. And so that... That B is me going like, yeah, it's not exactly what I wanted. It's not really – it is a movie about the Muppets more than it is a Muppet movie. But I think they do a really good job, and there's a lot of love. So that's fine. And the plus is I recognize that I'm bringing baggage to it. So, like, you are better than I realize you are. <laughs> but also, like, I don't dislike this movie. Like, I really don't sure. hate it. I 
I guess I should reserve this until I've rewatched Muppets Most Wanted, but I do think Muppets from Space is the weakest entry in this franchise, which is otherwise very strong. Yeah. Um, and I don't see Muppets Most Wanted like being worse than that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but now we can move into recommendations, uh, where we talk about stuff we've watched recently or not so recently. Um, I'm going to jump in first and recommend a movie that I, I, I think it's okay, but it fits the human actors performing with established family characters, and that is Anchors Away from 1945, uh, directed by a director and starring... <laughs> <laughs> Did they have those back then? Okay, well, Are you sure? I mean, I guess in a manner of speaking. I think they were two. Look, they all went by the pseudonym Tom Hooper, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hooper is just, just the latest I've in just, a long line of Tom Hoopers. <laughs> I've just flashed in my brain, the image has popped up, of the, the photo from the end of The Shining... <laughs> Um, Jack Nicholson's in the party, but instead it's Tom Hooper and he's surrounded by the cats. <laughs> and he's saying, we're about to make our new film, Troll 2. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, it, it is a film starring Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic big MGM musical about a couple of sailors who got a few days on shore leave and, oh, sweet granny, they want to meet a dame. Um, <laughs> And so it is a, a a fun, very colorful musical um, that it, it was interesting to watch it. It's on HBO Max. Uh, I've been watching a lot of old movies on there. They've got a great selection. And it's like two hours and 20 minutes because this was made in a time when movies hmm. were an event. And, you know, you would just go and they would – you could have a movie where there's just footage of an orchestra rehearsing and that still counts as a movie. Because you're like, whatever, we're at the movies. This is amazing. <laughs> and it, it, it's interestingly dated. I mean, of course, it's dated. It's from 1945. But it's got, like, there's a lot of scenes of, like, sailors talking about dames and, oh, boys, I got to tell you about Lola. But it's also very chaste because they don't really talk about anything more than, like, kissing. So it's it's that weird balance of, like, it's it's guys being gross about women, but they're also only talking about kissing them. So it's this weird kind of thing. Um, the 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 real selling point though are the musical numbers. Gene Kelly was such a fun performer to watch. Like he's one of those people you, you hear about him being a great dancer, but until you actually watch him perform, it doesn't really hit you like how brilliant and athletic a dancer he was. And there's a lot of great numbers in it. Most notably a scene where he's telling all these kids a, a story about how he got a, a medal in the Navy. And of course it's, he's making up a story and then it goes in. It, it, it's like this dream sort of vision where he's in a cartoon world and he dances with Jerry from Tom and Jerry. And hmm. that footage was actually repurposed for an episode of family guy where okay. Stewie dances with Gene Kelly that I'm sure we've, we've all seen only <laughs> exactly. Um, Alex is twisting his head in a way that I've seen Stewie do on Family Guy. Look, um, I'm not saying that Seth MacFarlane just rips off everything, but in, in this case, it was a, it was an homage. Um, but it, it's a really great dance number, and it integrates the animation and the real life stuff very, very well. If it's not as clean as future movies, it's because it was made in 1945. Uh, and I'll, I, Frank Sinatra, problematic guy, 
amazing performer, really great actor, better dancer than I think uh, and I thought he was. Obviously, a great singer. Um, they're really fun together and, and just have some great numbers. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's my like. I don't know if it's like the perfect old MGM musical, but it's a good time and it's it's nice to just watch something upbeat and spirited with two extremely charismatic really fun to watch leads so anchors away and that's a w e i g h also dean stockwell who's an old man who's in battlestar galactica and quantum leap is in it as a very little boy so that's <laughs> weird <laughs> and fun because every movie had to have a kid and a dame <laughs> you guys got anything cool sure I watched a couple of real movies this, <laughs> within the past couple of weeks. Anchor's no, a don't, real movie. No, 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 Britton. I, I don't. I don't mean compared to your movies. I mean compared to what I normally have been watching lately. Um. So I watched American Beauty and mm. Citizen Kane within oh, the last wow. couple of weeks. Nice. And they're both good. Everything good you've heard about them is true. Um. American Beauty obviously has the weird fact that Kevin Spacey plays the protagonist in that story, but actually, in a weird way, kind of the the stuff happening in the real world about him almost enhances the experience, because that movie is creepy. Yeah, and he's not a likable protagonist. So. Oh, no, no, no. It's, so, yeah. Yeah, he's a very sleazy character. Yeah, um, yeah it's really good. And uh, Sam Mendes, he knows how to... Mm-hmm. He knows the human drama. Net Benning. A plastic bag in the wind. <laughs> no, there's some good stuff in that movie. Yeah. And then uh, Citizen Kane. There's literally nothing else to be said about it. It's Citizen Kane. <laughs> did you finish... Yeah, like a, uh, what, you... like a B-plus? Yeah. Like <laughs> did you finish Phantom Thread? Oh, yeah. I did end up finishing that. Uh, it's got a weird ending. It was fine. <laughs> where, where Reynolds Woodcock puts on a telethon. <laughs> to raise money for his fashion. <laughs> and, and Daniel Day-Lewis's head becomes huge and explodes out of a house. You know, if it had ended like that, we'd have something. <laughs> nice. Well, Alex, did or you're Alex. Tyler, <laughs> did you watch Did you watch three Academy Award-nominated movies? <laughs> I did not. Winning I watched, movie? Watched, uh... Watch a little TV show called Millennial Love. <laughs> um, no, I do have a real a real recommendation. Um, no, I I watched a TV show uh, that finally convinced me to pay for a month of Apple TV. Uh, I watched Ted Lasso. Oh uh, yeah, which is a it, it's ten episodes. They're thirty minutes each, so you know works out to is that five hours. So you know it's like one point two five Snyder cuts. Not too bad. Um, I, I really, <laughs> I really need them to to like officially say what the length, the runtime of the Snyder Cut is, so I can start using that, right? Like as a measure for anything. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, my son. Me, also, well, my son, we put him down. He napped for about two Snyder cuts. It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, that's even better than what I was thinking. Um, uh, that would be a miracle if if my son slept for. <laughs> At least eight hours. Um, no, uh, Ted Lasso, it is a show about a coach played by Jason Sudeikis, uh, who is an American football coach in Kansas, and he gets flown out to play coach a Premier League 
uh, football, European football, soccer team, uh, because the um, owner of the club previously divorced his wife, and his wife is now in charge of it. Uh, his wife is played by... Uh, I should know her name off the top of my head. I'll pop the cast. Um, but basically, the the entire show is, is uh, Ted Lasso uh, trying to kind of win over this team with just, like, un, unyielding optimism um, and lots of great, like, puns and, and just very silly, fun humor. Um, and he's kind of, like, taking everything, ju- just, like, rolling with every punch um and and turning it into something very optimistic uh i one of my favorite i think characters of all time in any fiction is dale cooper from mm-hmm. twin peaks and strangely enough like th- this feels like a weird comparison but i think it really does make sense if you watch both shows um his character in this show is very very similar to that where it's like he does not like back down and, and he like is willing to talk things out with people. And, and the show is really about these characters who are very funny and there's a, it's, it's a hilarious show. Um, but it's also like, it, it is genuinely one of the most like emotionally impacting things I've, I've watched in a long time. Um, and all the characters are very like sort of broken in certain ways and they have all their own stuff going on. It's about these characters trying to reach out in the midst of being very sad about a lot of different things. Um, while also having this very silly, crazy, over-the-top plot kind of plastered over the top of it. Um, so yeah, uh, very hearty recommendation. I don't know what Apple TV is like as far... I have, or a friend of the podcast, wife of me of the <laughs> podcast, uh, Alex Prime, has a older Apple TV that we were able to get the description on. I don't know if you can get it on other things. I feel like at one point it was only Apple TVs, but I think maybe now they've expanded it. So if you have any way of, of watching it, um, 100% recommended. I, I have not watched anything else on Apple TV. This is just one thing that like got enough recommendations that I was like, okay, I should check it out. And uh, I, I absolutely loved it. So that is my recommendation. I, I've heard nothing but good things about that. I think when it first came out, I, I lumped it in with like Brock Meyer and which I haven't watched, but I thought, oh, this is another like maybe Eastbound and Down or something. I was like, oh, so it was mm-hmm. like a sports, like a crass sports comedy. But then I've heard, oh no, it's anything but. <laughs> um, it's actually yeah. very, very sweet. Um, so yeah, I would love to check that the, out. Hannah Waddingham is the oh, I know actress that okay. uh, who plays the new owner of the club. Um, who I think has been in all sorts of things. Sure. Oh, she was in Les Miserables. Oh, wait. There you go, Tom isn't she? Isn't she in Game of Thrones? She is Septon Unella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Septa Unella, sorry. That's right, Thrones, that's right. The, the shame lady. Yeah. Um, so she, she's been in a lot of stuff. You'll, you'll probably recognize her if you if you look her up. You okay. being the, <laughs> the royal you? Uh, most people will probably recognize right. her. Right. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I don't have Apple, that TV thing, but... I may have a connection. And I think two or three episodes of it are free to watch before. Like, you don't have to subscribe to watch them. Like, I think they have, like, kind of... Because I think Apple TV has been like, "Uh, we don't know how to get people to subscribe to this. Sure. And so that's been one of their methods is, like, having a demo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So That's what Peacock did. I mean, Peacock has their free version, which I just got Mm -hmm. so I could watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. There you Um, go. Because surprisingly, I hadn't watched it yet, even though it's basically <laughs> designed in a lab for me. 
Um, sure. And it's good so far. I like it. Um, well, nice. So, so next week we are finishing up Muppets uh, with Muppets Most Wanted. And we will possibly announce our next franchise then. We got to do some planning, you know. We got to talk to Zack Snyder. Yeah. See, and hopefully Robin A. Schneider. And hopefully Robin A. Schneider. Yeah. Uh, they got to both get back to us. Right. Let us know their schedules. Let us know what's going on. Um, yeah, I sent I sent Zach a message on WhatsApp earlier, and hopefully. <laughs> okay, can we get a D and D game going with D and D, Zack Snyder, and Ryan Johnson? That's a lot of you know, very different views on things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I feel like D and D are the exact midpoint somehow. <laughs> I would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe. I was thinking more of a director's roundtable, yeah. uh, like you know, Variety does sometimes. They'll do like the around Oscars season or right, whatever. Right, right. Um, but Robin A. Schneider is also there. Um, <laughs> I like the idea. Of just got Ryan Johnson and Zack Snyder saying, "Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, just kind of like looking around and shuffling." And then one of them goes. So what do you think about the past <laughs> as a concept? <laughs> and then it's just, and you just hear like DB go, "Ooh, <laughs> uh, geez, is that, is that craft services? Come on, Dave, come on!" <laughs> and Dave's like, "We did flashbacks." Christopher Nolan bursts through the door like, "Time <laughs> traversal." <laughs> Chronology. <laughs> well, I'm I'm the surprise guest. I'm the prestige, Christopher. That's not you made that up. That's not a real. I am it. <laughs> uh, please, any of you. Be on we our could. Podcast. We should. We should make a Vero account, and we should go reach out to Zack Snyder. Be like, hey, do you want to be on our podcast? <laughs> We're gonna guys... talk about Muppets Most Wanted. Can you guys imagine? <laughs> Sending a Zoom invite to Zack Snyder because <laughs> you'd have to name the meeting. <laughs> hey man, uh, here's the link. <laughs> and then there's gonna be a part where like what like Alex is early, and so it's gonna be the two of them while like <laughs> Tyler's Tyler's getting dinner ready, and I'm just not on the call yet. <laughs> Both of you do assume that either of us would show up. This would just be like. We'd leave Alex to fit for himself, <laughs> and I, I, I'd be, I'd be trying. I, I would immediately like mute myself, and while Zach's just like, "Are, are you there?" I'd be, I'd be calling Brent. I'd be like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Brent, you got a Cyrano me, man. You got a Cyrano me. What do I say to him? I like to imagine that Zach's like, "Hey, Alex, how are you doing?" You're like, "You're pretty good." Let me show you the new apartment. <laughs> got everything. <laughs> He's just, like moving your laptop around. <laughs> Snyder's like, oh, cool. Oh, that's a pretty good breakfast nook or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I see you've got a bunch of movie posters up there. You got any of mine? And you're like, uh-huh. And then you just, like, you're, like, scribbling over, like, Mad Max Fury Road to try to make it look like Dawn of the Dead or something. No, I, I just sure. draw some bat ears on, on Tom Hardy. He's like, oh, yeah. Cool. That's yeah, my movie. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wanted well, to get him to play Hush, but we never could make that happen. Oh, but that's a good it's idea. It's okay. Though. He would have been shot in the first five minutes of the movie because that's cool. Listen. Right. 
I'm th- but I've now floated the idea of Tom Hardy as Hush, and it's not a bad idea. Sure. I, I now want a Batman film where Tom Hardy plays every Batman villain. Like, not, not in the film, but at, like, in... Or, it's not just the Batman villains they choose to include in the film. They choose to include every Batman villain um, in the film, and Tom Hardy plays all of them. I see. Is what I'm saying. Yes, it's me, Professor Pig! <laughs> I like Ivy. opera? Uh, I think. I don't know, like Poison no, Ivy, Tom, Man Bat. There's not a lot. There's not a lot that you can suggest that would make like would sound like a bad idea. Ventriloquist, like, like Tom Hardy, Calendar Man. I'm like, okay, yeah, that that you can make that work. Um, Ooh, so Tom Hardy, Mister Freeze. No, Tom yeah. Hardy, Mister Freeze would be legitimately good. Um, my I, my impossible Mister Freeze request is Robin Williams, but. Sure. Someone, uh, one of the McElroy brothers, floated Gene uh, Gene Wilder as the Riddler, and like, mm. how mad are you that that never happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, we have to go uh, write up some index cards for Alex to use some right. some, some like <laughs> ice icebreakers for talking to guys. <laughs> hey, Alex, how you doing? Pretty good. If you could make any bug edible, what bug would it be? <laughs> Probably a parademon. What? <laughs> well, I think in my uh, Batman universe, I think I think all the bugs would be edible. I think <laughs> that's that's just kind of how you know you can eat any bug. You gotta right imagine. Now. So that's like yeah. you gotta do like you gotta be you gotta be real about it. You know, I like, mean, my Batman would eat a scorpion. I, the, the ones that are poisonous are technically edible. You can eat them. It's but just, Batman can handle it. Batman can handle it. <laughs> it's just like an indirect death. We have fun here sometimes. Tyler, you know, sign us out. You know, I once dared uh, Ben Affleck to eat a scorpion. He did it. He didn't. They're, tell you what, there's a cardboard cutout of that scorpion in his trash the next day. <laughs> Topical. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com if you want more of this unintelligible nonsense. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels. Burton is falling out of his chair. We have been us at Here drinking, I swear. We, we, can never, we can never untap that Pandora's box. The, the drinking on the podcast, would it would just become oh, impossible man. to listen to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a teetotaler, so it wouldn't change my stuff. But. There you go. Uh, you, you can have scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, guys, Let you know, start uh, over we there. wanted to do kind of a loose, like, episode. We're going to be talking about whatever, the Hangover movies, so they got their drinks. I just have a scorpion I'm going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> you can search for us. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. It's, it's all there. Just mm-hmm. just search. Just try Yes. Yeah. And if you want to get my cardboard cutout joke, go to <clears throat> Yahoo News. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to the guys at Yahoo News. Oh man, They're doing the bringing you the news, doing the real work. On, hey, on on Yahoo. Be informed, not influenced. Sure. <laughs> I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. Ah, uh, I've been Britain, and you're having a good night. Robert <laughs> Schneider, get at us. <laughs>